just like the first service, I can't figure out, are you, are you clapping for me or because Ron is leaving? Which one? I don't understand. Thank you, sir, Ron. If you aren't hooked up, get hooked up. It's, it's more important than coming to church. If you have to choose life group or church, uh, choose the life group. Uh, we're sort of in the beginning stages still of <clears throat> developing the life group system. We, we, we hope that it will evolve into uh, people just not just doing a group for a particular activity or for a particular time, but it will become more like a home church as we, as we grow bigger and bigger and bigger, that people will get together in, in groups and discuss the message for that week, go through different studies, study through the Bible, different books perhaps. So um, it's, it's the way that God has designed us to, to grow together in community. So uh, what we're going to do this morning is continue. We, we, the last few weeks, we, we've been answering some questions. We passed out index cards for everybody to... Um, to write whatever question you would have on, on that card. And a lot of people came in with all kinds of different questions. Great, just amazing questions. And we began to answer some of them. And uh, in fact, what we're going to do after Easter. Easter is April the 5th. Do you, I think I've talked about this before. Do you know how they determine what date Easter is? What? You're wrong. Just get out. Just get out. <laughs> Anybody know? Nobody knows. What? It's April the 5th, but how do they determine it's April the 5th? Like next year, I'm a pastor, I know these things. Next year, it's in March. Sometimes it's in March. What? Somebody give her like a donut or something. That's right. It's the first Sunday after the first full moon. After... The first day of spring. Half a donut for you. You didn't get the entire answer. So see, church has not been an entire waste of time for you this morning. You can amaze your friends, ask them everywhere, do you know how you determine when Easter is? But Easter this year is April the 5th, and um, it's one reason we were glad to get, ex- get into the ark a few weeks beforehand. These next few weeks just sort of be practice, work out the kinks and the bugs. But uh, starting next week, we'll begin to talk to you about inviting your friends. We... Uh, we want you to invite uh, those that you work with, those uh, family members or whatever. Maybe they're sort of hesitant about actually going to a church. Maybe they weren't very interested in having church at a bar. You know, we had a church at a bar for a while. We had a church at a warehouse. Tell them, hey, it's a boat. What do you have against boats? We're having church in a boat. Just show up. You have no more excuses. But um, what, I, what I think we're going to do is after Easter, we'll, the, the week after Easter, we will start a brand new series where I want to address the top five objections, the top five questions that people who, uh, who are hesitant about believing in Jesus, hesitant about Christianity, the top five objections that people have. So if you have friends maybe that say, well, what about this or what about this? Uh, they can get some of their questions answered. Maybe, maybe you can as well. And we've addressed some of them before, but we'll go into more detail in some of them that haven't been asked. But you guys ask all kinds of questions here the past few weeks. And we, we answered one, one in particular. I took about 20 or 25 minutes in one of the services. But it just keeps bothering me. So what I'm going to do the next few weeks, it may take all the way up to Easter, I want to go into a little more detail on this one particular question. Uh, because I think this question has a lot to do with how we perceive God, how we, how we think that God 
acts toward us, how, you know, we, we all say, well, God loves us, but there are certain things I think we have in our mind. We either picked it up in church growing up, or we picked it up just hearing people say this, or just thoughts that we have, that uh, some, some of these maybe even myths and misconceptions, I think, that we have about God. And here's the question. The question that, that someone asked that we talked a little bit about was, why is it that so many prayers seem to go unanswered? Why is it that people pray for a certain thing or ask for a particular thing? And we, we went over that one day in church, and, and we even asked, and we might even do that again this morning, just to sort of refresh our memory. When, when someone says, well, my prayer wasn't answered, or you maybe are talking to somebody, and you say, I don't understand why, you know, I asked for this, and I just don't see anything happening. What are some of the feedback that you get? What are some of the answers that you get from people just maybe at work or your family or whatever? When, when somebody says, my prayers aren't answered, what are the, the reasons that people give? Just name something. What was that? It was a good one. What was it? God doesn't care. Maybe you don't believe in that. Somebody says he's too busy. That's right. It's like, it's Tuesday morning. China had a meltdown overnight. Don't bother God until Thursday evening. He's too busy. And sometimes it feels like that, that you know. I don't want to ask God too much. You know, he's got other people to deal with besides me. We have all these misconceptions. I was actually in a church where the pastor dismissed the service with this prayer. Lord, we ask you to go with people as they go today. Number one, I just have to, since we're talking about prayer, I can say that. It's always a stupid prayer. And I hate to say it's a stupid, but it is stupid. It's a stupid prayer to ask God to go with you somewhere. Jesus said, I will never leave you or forsake you. I am with you always. If you had a guy, it's just like mamas and their toddlers. You don't have to pray that your toddler go with you to the bathroom. They're going to follow you right in there. (laughs) You don't have to pray that. It's happening. Same thing. God is going to, you don't have to say, God, be with this person. No, he's there. He's already there. What was I talking about? Oh, this pastor. This pastor, he asked, you know, God, go with this person and God bless them during the week. Help us to obey your word. Help us to this. And then he ended with, and help us not to over-ask. And we sort of have that idea sometimes, I think, without maybe saying it out loud, that, you know, I asked God for something last week, and I got that, and I've already asked him for two things this week, and here it is the next day, and I need four more things. So if I wait maybe till next, we sort of treat God like we do our parents sometimes. In my house, my kids have learned. My wife, she has so much stuff going on, her default answer is no. She's, her thing is just say no and ask questions later. You know, later she'll think about it and ask them, well, it's too late now. They can't go because you said no. So they've learned to ask me. My default posture is yes. What's the worst that could happen? You're going to an alligator wrestling thing? Here's a 20. Have a great time. What, what could happen? You know, you need to learn and experience things. She's a no. I'm a yes. But I... You know, I think that we think if I ask God too much, it's sort of like our parents. Well, I asked Dad for that. He said yes to that, and I asked him for this. And almost as a parent, sometimes I catch myself going, well, I certainly have said yes a lot. Maybe I should just throw a no in there to see what happens. And I think we sort of think that God sort of plays these games with us as well. But what are some other things? Our prayers aren't answered. What are some other reasons people give? Bad timing. Bad timing. 
Sometimes you have to wait and be patient. It's sort of not God's timing yet. That's a big one. I, still, I struggle with that so much. You know, I wonder what I did wrong. Did I, did I not have enough faith? Did I not study my Bible enough? Or maybe there's sin in my life. Well, I know there's sin in my life, but does God know about that? Maybe God knows about what I've been doing and what I've been thinking. Does God know what I'm thinking? My goodness, no wonder he won't talk to me. So you have all these, these different ideas. What's another one? Not doing your part, leaving it all up to God to do for you. Now that could mean several things, and I don't know exactly what you're meaning by it. It could mean, because there is a partnership, and we'll talk about that in the coming weeks. Or uh, I know some people have the thought, God helps those that help themselves. Maybe this is something I could handle. I need to do something. There are some examples similar to that. What is another? Sometimes the answer is no. Sometimes God says yes. Sometimes God says no. Sometimes God says maybe. Sometimes God says wait a while. Things like that. Any others? Sometimes we ask for what we want, but he gives us what we need. There's so many directions I could go with this. And I'm going to over the next few weeks. So these are all things... You don't believe enough. Nobody in the second service said the one that we're going to talk about today, by the way. He doesn't exist. That's what you're saying? Yeah, we had that in the first service. A lot of people think, well, you know, God doesn't exist. Because this is how I tested it. I ask if God exists and I ask him for this and I don't get it, that must mean of necessity that God does not exist. It could be sort of a test that people run to see if God is even out there. Any others? Do what? Oh, you're not a good enough Christian. Yeah, that's a big one. You just... What? It's not his will. And that's the one we're going to zero in on today. It's not his will. If I ask for something and I don't get it, and that's sort of the, the acid test that many of us use, that if I ask God for something, the way that I'm going to tell if what I ask is his will, is going to be determined by whether or not I get it. If, I, if it actually happens, it was his will. If it doesn't happen, it wasn't his will. So how do we figure out exactly what his will is? So what we're going to do, we're going to look at a few verses, but I, I want to bring us back to this, this focal point over and over and over again. That if you had to boil it down, someone asked you, what is Stonebrook about? If somebody had asked ask me, now what's the deal with the Stonebrook thing? I could sum it up in one word, and it sort of sounds like a Sunday school answer, but that word is Jesus. We are focused on the fact that we believe that Jesus came to this earth to show us who the Father is, to reveal who God is. That uh, the book of Hebrews, for example, says that Jesus is the exact representation of God. If you want to know what does God think, what does God feel about a thing, what will God do about a situation... Look at Jesus' life, look at the words that he said, look at the things that he did. You can determine then what God's will is. In fact, Jesus said things like, I didn't come to do my own will, I came to do the will of him that sent me. And let's look at these verses here in, uh, in the book of John, chapter 1, which I don't have it at all on my screen. I may have to reboot
Error. It says error. Can't have an error. Oh, there it is. John said some amazing things here in the first verse. It says, in the beginning, the Word already existed. And you can equate the Word of God with the will of God. That word, word, in the beginning, is a little Greek word, uh, logos. It simply means the message, the, the will, the message, the thing that God wants to say, the thing that God wants us to know. Though In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now let me ask you a quick question. If I asked you on the street, stopped you at any time, and said, what is the Word of God, what would you say? How many of you would say the Bible is the Word of God? Cool. Now, I'm not saying the Bible is not the Word of God. Did you know that the Bible does not call itself the Word of God? Go ahead, read it this afternoon. Or during the message. Go ahead, just go ahead and read it. I'll wait. Nowhere in the Bible does it call itself the Word of God. I believe it is the Word, but a better representation of what the Word is. This next verse. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was God, the Word was with God. What's that next word? He. He who? He, the Word. The Word isn't a book, the Word's a person. He existed in the beginning with God. Jesus is the sum total of everything God wanted to say to us. What God wants to communicate to us about himself, about the way uh, his, his inclinations, his thoughts, what he will do, what his will is, is summed up in the person of Jesus. He existed in the beginning with God. He goes on in verse 14, says, So the word became human and made his, once again, the word is a his, made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. We've seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. This next verse is amazing to me. We've, we've looked at this before, but I want to bring our focus back to it. No one, no one has ever seen God. Now, this is John, one of Jesus' disciples, spent three and a half years with Jesus. John is talking to people who have the Old Testament. Thousands and thousands of years of experience with the, the Jewish people interacting with God. This word seen, another way to say that, uh, and it comes out in the original word, is no one has ever understood God. All through the Old Testament, the Jewish people had interactions with God. <clears throat> God spoke to them through the prophets. But John is saying that Jesus so perfectly represents who God is and what God will do, that you can basically say up to the time that Jesus came, nobody really knew who God was. They did not have a clear picture, a clear understanding who God was and what he would do. John says, no one has ever seen God, but the unique one, talking about Jesus, who is himself God, is near to the Father's heart. Once again, he has revealed God to us. If you want God revealed to you, if you want to understand what God will do, look at Jesus. Everything he said, everything he did, especially what he did in his self-sacrificial death on the cross. Now, Jesus said some amazing things. In fact, some of the things, as I read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, I just want to skip over them. And some of the things he said, now this is real important. If you don't get anything else, get this. Some of the things that Jesus said differ from what I experience sometimes in my life and differ from sometimes what I see in the world around me. 
we have to make a, po- a choice at some point to believe, did Jesus tell the truth about certain things, even if I'm currently not experiencing it, even if other people I know currently aren't experiencing it, do I believe that what Jesus said is indeed the will of God? Now, some of the amazing things he said in John chapter 14, verse 12, Jesus starts, in fact, he starts it by saying, I'm telling you the truth. He said, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. He says, then you can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for, what's that next word? Anything. See, that word scares me. As a pastor, as a parent, (laughs) the word anything scares me. Jesus was a radical human being. He wasn't afraid of making some very large statements and backing it up with who he was and what he did. He does not put all the qualifiers on it that we do. He doesn't say, yeah, but you've not been a good enough Christian. Yeah, but it's not God's will. No one ever came to Jesus and you hear Jesus going, oh, sorry. I mean, those other guys, yeah, that was God's will, but not for you. Never. Never. And John says he has revealed God to us. Never do we see Jesus saying, "Mm, boy, that one's not God's will for you. He goes on and says, now, don't get mad at me. I didn't say it. This is Jesus. Ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Now, time's running away from us. I want to uh, go through this story. I actually have two stories. That uh, is is an amazing situation. I'm going to try not to preface it too much because I've got to get to it. Jesus had a cousin named John the Baptist. We're going to start with this part. John the Baptist was put in prison by Herod, and eventually he was beheaded. And Jesus being, he's God in a bod. He's God made manifest in the flesh, but he's also 100% human. He's experiencing the loss of one of his closest friends that has been brutally executed. And this is where we pick it up. As soon as Jesus heard the news, he left in a boat. See, it has the ark theme. I tried to work that in. Sorry, it was actually accidental. He left in a boat to a remote area to be alone. He just wants to be by himself. But the crowds heard where he was headed and followed on foot from many towns. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat and said, Can't you guys leave me alone for five minutes? No, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Now notice, that evening, because he got this big crowd, we find out later there's 5,000 guys, 5,000 men, and plus their families. Jesus saw, oh, that evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place. It's already getting late. Because they're out in the middle of the wilderness. There's not McDonald's and Casey's around the corner. You can't go down to, uh, to Walmart and pick up some food. These people have been there for a long time. It's getting late. Send the crowds away so that they can go to the villages and buy food for themselves. Now, this next verse, I've preached on this story all kinds of times. I've always skipped over this next verse. This verse bothers me. This verse scares me. This verse challenges me. But this verse came out of the mouth of Jesus just exactly the same as John 3.16. The next verse, Jesus said. But Jesus said, that isn't necessary. What's the next word? You feed them. Now this bothers me a lot. 
I've, like, I've, I've been in church my entire life. I've never heard anybody stop and mention this verse. Because this verse, verse bothers everyone. It seems to me like people think, well, Jesus was sort of just messing with them, maybe. Well, you feed them. Oh, you can't, huh? Well, I can, so there. No, what is that? Is, is that what Jesus is doing? You puny little humans, I'm Jesus way up here, you're way down here. Watch this. You feed them, you know. That's the part, it's in the original Greek that didn't come out, where Jesus went, no. He's honestly, he's being truthful. He said, oh, that's not necessary. You feed them. Now, if you will notice, see, if you read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John with religious glasses on, you will see a picture that you've always had in your mind. But something that I started doing, and it's just really hard to get, to get, uh, get my mind switched over. Uh, I began to read, especially Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, with what some people call it zero-based thinking. Approach it. Totally take everything that you have a preconception about the material that you're studying and look at it as if you were a person that had never seen it before, never experienced it before. And when you begin to see, Jesus is constantly trying to get his disciples. He's already at this point given them authority. They've been going out, seeing people healed, seeing people delivered, seeing miracles through their hands, not just through Jesus. Jesus' entire ministry, he's constantly saying, oh, no, this is just, isn't just for me. Jesus didn't come just to live at just to die as our sacrifice. He came to live as our example, to show this is how life in the kingdom looks. You feed them. Well, he goes on, and man, i, I got to hurry, because there's, there's a Pulaski County Expo or something happened afterwards, and there's some ladies back there that are wanting to set up, and they're starting to look mean. <laughs> just look back there and just wave at them. Okay, okay, they're not even looking now. Okay, but just got a few minutes. So right after that, this happened. Immediately after this, this is, everybody knows the story. Most, most people do, if you've, even if you haven't been in church. Man, insisted, Jesus insisted his disciples get back in the boat, cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. After sending them home, he, Jesus, went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in the trouble far away from the land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. Okay, get the picture Big, huge, giant lake. Think like Great Lakes. They're in the middle in this boat, and a storm comes up. They're not making any progress. They're in trouble. About 3 o'clock in the morning, I just love the way the Bible nonchalantly says, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. No big deal. When the disciples saw him, I call this next verse the Scooby and Shaggy verse. When the disciples saw him walking, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, Jinkies, it's a ghost. That's in the original Greek. You have to study a lot to find that part. So they're scared. Here comes Jesus. But now notice, Jesus, Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid. Take courage. I'm here. That's not good enough for Peter. The next verse, Peter says, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Jesus said, no, that's just for guys like me that are divine. It's not for fishermen. It's not for everyday people. Only I can do this. You're supposed to ooh and ah over me and, and just worship and adore the fact that I can do things that other people can't. What is the word that Jesus used, the very first word? Yes. If there's anything that I could get us to change in our thinking, when it comes to talking to our Father, who has given everything for us, who in the Old Testament says, all day long I've stretched out my hands towards you. God's posture is one of giving. 
God's default answer is yes. Here is a time, here is a place where Jesus could have used lots of excuses that we used, that we brought up here. You know, Peter, the timing's not exactly right. It's 3 o'clock in the morning, Peter. I just fed 5,000 people. I'm a little bush. Could we, could we, maybe when we get back to the hotel and the pool, you know, pool is a lot calmer. The wind's not blowing. I can teach you how to walk on water now. We're in the middle of this lake. You guys are about to die. Timing just isn't right here. He could have said, Peter, you know, I know the things that you've been thinking and the things that you've been doing. You are not an example of a good Christian. I think we need to maybe have some counseling sessions. Maybe perhaps if you read enough of the Bible, you could eventually get to the place where you could do what I could do. No, Jesus' default answer is yes. Yes. Sure. And see, this isn't something, because a lot of people say, and we, we mentioned it a while ago, well, you know, God might give you something you need, but something you want Peter doesn't need to walk on the water. He's got a boat. He doesn't need to walk. He just wants to. He just thinks it looks cool. That's also in the original Greek. I don't know. Why, why would possess a guy at three in the morning to want to get out of a perfectly good boat? But Jesus says, sure, yeah, come on. So Peter went over the side of the boat, walked on the water to Jesus. Now let me ask you a question. At this particular time, here we have Peter walking on the water, just like this. He was stomping, I bet. Peter's walking on the water. Is it God's will, Jesus' will, for Peter to walk on the water? How many of you say yes? Boy's doing it right there. Jesus said, come on. He's walking on the water. The next word. But, but, when he saw the strong wind and the waves, we're going to stop and talk about what in the world does strong wind and waves have to do with walking on the water. But he saw strong winds and waves. He was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. So, Peter was walking on the water. You said it was God's will for him to walk on the water. Now he's not walking on the water. He's sinking is it still God's will for him to walk on the water? So you're telling me that whether or not something is working or whether or not what you ask for is actually there and happening and being accomplished is not perhaps the main determining factor to tell whether or not something is God's will. Because one moment you said it was his will because he's walking on the water. The next moment he's sinking, you said it was still his will. So there could be something that Peter's thinking needs to change when he began to, to see. Now the next verse is very interesting. This is what we're going to go to next week. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. Said, I told you you can't walk on water because you're not like me. No. He said, now notice you have so little faith. Don't get caught on that. We're gonna, that's, not, that's not what so many of us think about. Because that's what some people will immediately go there. Oh, yes, I know my faith is so small. I just need to read my Bible more. No, 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 no. Jesus said, why did you doubt me? Now, that word doubt, this is where I'm going to wrap it up here. We'll we'll pick it up next week. That word doubt is a very interesting word. Notice that the first four letters of doubt, D-O-U-B, are the first four letters in another word that we'll talk about next week. Jesus had a brother named James. 
And in James, James talked about if you ask God for something, but if you are double-minded, double doubt, same four letters, it's the same word. That's what doubt is. That's what happened to Peter. Peter is showing you in a brilliant, brilliant object lesson that the Holy Spirit chose to be place in our, in our Bible that at one moment he had his thinking, oh yeah, I can do this because Jesus said I can. But at the next minute, because of what he saw and experienced, his mind changed and he began to doubt. In fact, you, it could be translated very accurately that way where Jesus could have said, why did you change? Not just why did you doubt, why did you change? You believed me, it was working, you received exactly what you asked from me, but something changed. You're, you allowed what you saw, what you experienced, to change what you thought, and you chose to believe what you saw instead of me. And that's simply what doubting is, being double-minded. We'll talk about that next week. Do you promise to come back? We'll be like in the same place. Same place next week. Be in the same, same boat. We're all in this boat together. So, I'm sorry. I'll stop making boat jokes. About two months it'll take. On the Easter, we're going to send out an Easter postcard. It says, let's rock this boat. So we're rocking the boat. So. All right. So be back here next week. I want to talk more about this because God wants so much for you to know how much he loves you and how much he cares for you. He wants us to experience our prayers being answered. Now, I'm, I'm going to dismiss this in prayer. But if any of you can stay, number one, afterward, especially because there's another event right afterward, um, we're going to leave the mats down for them, but we need some help, and we have some people that are taking down the pipe and drape. We need some help getting the tables and the chairs put up. So if you can stay and help, uh, we'd really appreciate that. Also, next week, do you have the slide about question mark, Greg? Greg has left the building. My life group is called question mark. That's where you can get, uh, we, uh, we gather around and have lots of, lots of different questions, and we discuss them. That's going to be happening next Sunday evening. We'll give you the address. Well, there it is right there. It's a, it's a town here in Waynesville. We'll give you directions next week, but it's next Sunday night, 6 o'clock, is my life group, question mark. Let me pray, and we'll be dismissed, and we'll see you again next week. Father, we love you so very much. I, I thank you, sir, that you just love these people with all your heart. You've given everything for them. Help us. It's, it's a process, Lord. Our, our minds have to be renewed, seems like day after day after day. Help us to keep our attention focused on you, Lord Jesus. Help us to see how much that you care for us, that you're for us, that you're not against us, you're not withholding things from us. Help us to see how to line ourselves up with you, partner with you, keep our attention and our focus on you because we have much to do in this world. You desire for us to have everything we need. You, just, you want us to have the desires of our heart and you want us to be used to spread your love and your care to others. Help us to do that. We love you, sir, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, thanks, guys, for coming. We'll see you next week.